Life Audio. It's important to remember that when we read the Psalms, it really does reveal God's character and God's nature that is revealed in the entire meta narrative of Scripture. And by meta narrative, I mean meta meaning big, narrative meaning story, the entire big story of Scripture. And so today we hone in on one of those aspects of God's character that we see woven throughout the pages of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I think it's going to bless you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're walking through Psalm 140, which is one of the eight psalms towards the end of the the book of psalms that were written by David. And we haven't heard from David in a while. We heard from him a lot in the beginning of the book of psalms. And now that we're at the end, it's kind of a nice reprieve to have some insight into his heart and mind and some of the things that he was going through. We're going through each of these psalms really to get a better understanding of the history and the culture and the background, never to replace your Bible reading, but perhaps to supplement it a little bit. And one of the things that I always recommend is if you go into the show notes for today's episode and all the episodes, really, there's a journaling prompt. And I think journaling is a really good way to get this information from your head into your heart. And so if you would like those sent to you to your inbox every Monday, I mail those out. And then if you'd like previous episodes, you can go to shehears.org and go to the resources section where you will find the guided Psalms journals. So for today, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, starting at verse 1 of Psalm 140. Rescue me, Lord, from evil people. Protect me from violent men who devise evil things in their hearts. They continually stir up wars. They sharpen their tongues like a snake. The venom of a viper is under their lips. Keep me, Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from the violent men who intend to trip up my feet. The proud have hidden a trap for me and snares. They have spread a net at the wayside. They have set snares for me. I said to the Lord, you are my God. Listen, Lord, to the sound of my pleadings. God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head on the day of battle. Do not grant, Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not bring about this evil planning so that they are not exalted. Selah. As for the head of those who surround me, may the harm of their lips cover them. May burning coals fall upon them. May they be cast into the fire, into bottomless pit from which they cannot arise. May a slanderer not endure on the earth. May evil hunt a violent person violently. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Certainly the righteous will give thanks to your name. The upright will dwell in your presence. 
I want to point out real quick before we get into this, that throughout this psalm, you'll hear that word Selah. And some, depending on the version you're reading, some Bibles include it, some Bibles don't. But Selah is a musical term. And we know that David, at least for part of his life in Israel, he was the music director. Throughout his life, he was very musical, but he specifically was a music director for part of his life. We know that Psalm 140 is clearly an individual lament. And what it's doing is it's essentially serving as this appeal to God from David to ask God to listen and to rescue him. And he has this complaint concerning the wicked people who are intending to harm him. This is a theme that we see throughout the Psalms of David. We see, you know, he struggles with this kind of thing. And this is very common. It's, it's common to the kind of writing that we expect from David when he's going through something difficult. But what we see here is not just this lament where he's complaining to the Lord, but also an imprecation. And just to make it clear, when I'm saying imprecation, an imprecatory psalm, not a precatory psalm, but an imprecatory psalm is essentially a curse psalm where there's at least a portion in this one that is calling down a curse and calling down a curse against the wicked people that or after him or causing him trouble. And I want to just point out that there's a couple things here. When we read about various people in the scriptures, I say this all the time, but I want to make sure that you remember, there are no heroes of the Bible besides God. God is the hero of the Bible. And I think sometimes what we do is we take these various characters that are in the Bible and we place the emphasis on them. But the Bible is not a book of stories about other people. The Bible is a book of stories about God. Now, he uses other people to reveal his character and his nature. But the character that we're to emulate from Scripture is the character of Jesus, the character of God, the character of the Holy Spirit. Because what do we see? We see people. And we know that people are not perfect, just like we don't want to hold our spiritual leaders, our pastors and things up to on this pedestal. Now we have to remember that even with people like David, because we know that David had a lot of sin in his life. And while there's certain, certainly are admirable qualities about him and the kind of faith that, that we want to chase after, there's also these other sides of him that we don't want to. And I think sometimes it's hard to reconcile that. Like, how do we chase after the things that he did that are good? And do we just ignore the things that he did that are bad? I think when we take a step back, and we realize that God is the hero of the story, it helps us understand that a little bit more. So here we have David who's going through clearly some distress and there seems to be some false accusations against him in the court of law in verses 12 and 13, we see that. And then there's some threatening speech and this language of battle could even really symbolize a war setting. We know that David was a warrior or it could be taken metaphorically. I think for our purposes, we can take it metaphorically, even if it was originally literally talking about a time of war. But what we know is the enemy wages a war against not just the psalmist, but against us. And he is the accuser. So I think this language helps us to just recognize that regardless of what time and space that we're reading this in, we have this common shared enemy that might flesh out in different ways, you know, might look different than what David was experiencing. But we've all, if we've been a Christian for any length of time, we've all witnessed or experienced that, that attack from the enemy, even if we don't realize that's what it was at the time. 
So in verses one through three, we have these words, rescue me. And so this is essentially the lament that is beginning, like I said, with this appeal to God, because he's needing help and protection against these evil people. And we don't necessarily know specifically what's going on, but we just know that they are evildoers, they are violent, they want to inflict physical harm on David, they're attacks are planned out. It says that they devise evil plans in their hearts. And so it's not impulsive actions. This is a planned evil action towards David. And so their violence is compared to also their speech, their speech, the way that they're speaking to him, they're threatening him. He talks about how their speech is like the poison of a snake's bite. In verses four and five, we see this appeal to God, not just to rescue him, but to protect him. And he repeats that. Um, verses one and verse four repeat that call for protection. And he's describing those that are coming after him using this analogy of the kind of trappers that trap game or birds or even fish. And so the way that those kind of people in that profession would trap, they would use the snare and the net and the traps. And it talks about how you know, they would be hidden in order to capture their prey. And in this case, David himself is the prey that they're after. And so the imagery is not just suggestive of this trouble he's in, but it's really this evil intention, like deceit or some kind of harm that's coming to him. In verses six through eight, we go on to talk about how David says, you are my God. And so he's describing this danger that he's facing, but yet he's also reaffirming his commitment to God, where he says, you are my God. And that is really the foundational reason why he is going to God to prayer in the first place. And I think that's a powerful example for us, not to focus so much on the problem when it happens, but to focus on the God that we serve when that happens. We're going to take a little bit of a break and then we come back. We'll continue unpacking the psalm. Stay tuned. You know, as David is complaining to God, he's also praying to God. And I love that. I think it reveals such a human aspect that I think sometimes we think about these Bible characters and we forget that they were human. They had these same human emotions that we had. And I think about times in my own life where I am both complaining to God and praying to God at the same time. And so he's saying, you are my God, you know, verses six through eight, that's the theme there. And so he's asking God to hear his prayer and he understands that God is his deliverer. He talks about how he is the one who protects him as the shield and he goes ahead of him in the time of battle. And again, like I said earlier, that reference to battle could be literal. It could be metaphorical. You know, he doesn't specify. I think sometimes in different periods of our lives, it's both. Sometimes it can be a literal battle that we're, you know, fighting with somebody, an enemy of ours. And sometimes it's a metaphorical battle. We're fighting it with the enemy. But there's definitely a battle either way that believers go through. And we face those same very, very same things. And I just have been in different situations in my life where I know I need to pray for God to rescue me and protect me, but I'm still complaining to him about the desires of the wicked and the way that they're trying to trap and hurt us. And we recognize in those moments that 
it's only God that can do anything about those things anyway. And I think it's a healthy way for us to get through them. I say this all the time. There's a difference between complaining to God and complaining about God. God is big enough to handle our complaint. And in fact, I think it's a really healthy way, like I said, for us to work through those emotions. And then in 9 through 11, David is asking basically for harm to come to those that want to harm him. It's this is the, that imprecatory curse part of, of the, the passage. And he wants them to suffer. He wants to suffer the fate of what he they're trying to do to him. And if we're honest, we've all had those emotions before. Earlier, the, the wicked people, the enemies are described as being arrogant. And here in that same vein, they're described as being prideful. And we've all met that person before, that person that wants harm for us, they're arrogant or they're prideful for for whatever reason. And a lot of times they have a confidence about them, even though they're doing evil, even though they, they mean intentionally to deceive us or to harm us for whatever reason, there's a pride about them that is really just sickening. And that's basically what he's going through. And he is calling on God to rescue him and to intervene on his behalf. And so he asks for the harm or the mischief, depending on the version you're reading, that they attend for him would turn back and completely engulf them. And that's a prayer that is seen back in Deuteronomy 19, where it's a prayer that's asking the false witnesses to receive the punishment that they had planned for those that they were wrongly accusing. And so we see that pattern throughout the Old Testament. That's kind of what David is, is doing here. And so that idea of mischief that was intended by the wicked, and when I say mischief, that sounds pretty innocent. I mean, I don't want you to confuse that. Mischief would be, I think, the word that the Old Testament would use, but really it's this evil intentional plan that they would have. We see that throughout the Old Testament in a number of different places where they're essentially asking, the prayer is essentially asking, let their plan come back and bite them in the butt, so to speak. We see that in Psalm 7, in Psalm 9, in Psalm 35, um, in Proverbs 1. And so there's this pattern here. It's common language for David. And then as we move into verses 12 and 13, it's this idea of how God protects the vulnerable. And and at the end of this, even though we see David go through this emotional plea to God, he ends on this note of confidence because he is certain that God is going to care for him because what is the character and nature of God? God cares for those who are poor and in need and vulnerable. And he counts himself in that group right now. And so he recognizes that God's presence is there. God's protection is there. And so, yes, he's praying for it to happen, but he's walking confidently and and basically speaking life. We talked about speaking life and speaking death yesterday. He's speaking life over his situation. He's appealing to the nature and character and the behavior that he knows is common of God. Overall, what we see in this passage is David petitioning God to help him when he's faced with these false accusations and potentially some dangerous consequences that could happen as a result of these accusations. And he's asking for their plan to come back and, and backfire. And then he's ending on this confident note of knowing that God has a heart for those that are vulnerable. I think one of the things that this reminds us of is the fact that even Jesus himself 
was falsely accused. None of us are immune to it. I think sometimes we have this false idea that when we become believers, that it's going to be easy. And God does not promise us in any way, shape, or form it's going to be easy. But what he does promise is that we're not going to go through it alone, that he's there with us, that we have a defender and a warrior that will fight on our behalf. And if you think through even Jesus, the way that he even prayed leading up to his crucifixion, he did not pray the an imprecatory curse against his attackers. What did he pray? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I think what we see here is, you know, similar to David, Jesus is expressing confidence in God, even in the face of death. But the difference is, is there's forgiveness there. The way that David handles it is to call out a curse. The way that Jesus handles it is to call out forgiveness. That's what I mean when I say that our behavior should emulate Jesus, the the Holy Spirit, God, because he is the true hero of the story. So given that insight, we're going to go back and we're going to reread starting in verse 1, Psalm 140. Rescue me, Lord, from evil people. Protect me from violent men who devise evil things in their heart. They continually stir up wars. They sharpen their tongues like a snake. The venom of a viper is under their lips. Keep me, Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from violent men who intend to trip up my feet. The proud have hidden a trap for me and snares. They have spread a net at the wayside. They have set snares for me. I said to the Lord, you are my God. Listen, Lord, to the sound of my pleadings. God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head on the day of battle. Do not grant, Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not bring about his evil planning so that they are not exalted. As for the head of those who surround me, may the harm of their lips cover them. May burning coals fall upon them. May they be cast into the fire, into bottomless pits from which they cannot rise. May a slanderer not endure on the earth. May evil hunt a violent person violently. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Certainly the righteous will give thanks to your name. The upright will dwell in your presence. God, we thank you that despite the fact that we cannot escape evil in this world, that we can dwell in your presence, that we can have the same confidence that David had, the same confidence that Jesus had of knowing that you were there, that you are present with us, that we don't go through these things alone. God, help us to look to the true hero of the story that's you. Lord, help us to emulate the character and nature of Jesus in this situation, not the character and nature of David. And while we see David is a man after your own heart, and he does have confidence. He is praying to you, God. We recognize that even in that, he was human. He sinned. He was not the hero of the story, but that you were. God, I pray that you would change our perspective on that as we seek to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. 
I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.